Innovation and Government Business. I'm Christian Dunn, Managing Partner at Strategic Institute for Innovation and Government Contracting. I'm sitting down with Rick Dunn, founder at Strategic Institute. You know, Rick, I'm kind of amazed by you. You know, after 30 years of working with OTs, being a pioneering force um, behind the authorities, working with them intimately for all these years, all of the starts and stops and go-aheads and falling backwards with the authorities, which have, you know, just kind of continued. The, the lack of support from leadership, the lack of support for education. You never cease to have hope for these, for these authorities. You never, you never give up hope. You, you believe that there are people out there who care and who believe and are working toward the common good and understand what that common good is. And that's, I mean, that, that to me, I'm glad that there are people who still have this type of hope out there, to be honest with you, because I came over today, as you know, very frustrated by all of this and very kind of angered that, you know, that, you know, out of all the federal agencies, as I talked about, not anybody, there's nobody in leadership who wants to learn about other transactions. I mean, that kind of surprised me, but you, you know, you, you know, uh, you know, you sent me a couple of, um, articles over the weekend, and uh, one was indicative of the traditional system. Now you, the, the F-35, our most expensive uh, weapons system to date in our country's history. And um, what did that article say? said we're uh, up to the production of uh, 800 items, and we're still accepting items that have substandard workmanship in them and don't actually meet specifications. Um, that along with the fact that the sustainment uh, support for the for the F-35 is just uh, outrageously uh, expensive. So that's the premier um, acquisition program. And the Defense Contract Management Agency just issued a report pointing out these deficiencies. After, you know, uh, more than a decade of production, the premier government contractor on the premier system has created this amazingly expensive um, machine and doesn't deliver uh, machines that are uh, consistent with the uh, contract requirements. Now, since doing business in different ways is kind of shunned or not looked upon very favorably within the government, is that, I mean, are those good results? I mean, I don't know. I mean, is, is, Taking nearly a quarter of a century and then delivering a product that doesn't actually have, isn't fully functional, is, it, it, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I, I know it sounds ignorant, but I mean, is that good? I mean, if... <laughs> In the private sector, you would go out of business right. uh, if you delivered product like that. The other article that you sent me was about the Ukraine um, and, and, and our need to uh, speed up our de capability development and weapons acquis delivery. delivery acquisition uh, delivery yeah and that we currently don't have a system that's really working in real speed with that or you know at the speed necessary uh, is that is that is that what the article more or less said that's that's what the article said yeah that we there's only a limited um, only limited ways that we can support 
Ukraine, and we're apparently doing very well in providing intelligence, we're not doing so well uh, in providing the um, material support that comes through the acquisition system. Yes, they've gotten a lot of good capabilities, but we're spending a lot of money and not necessarily getting the capability into the hands of the folks that need it in the time that they need it. Okay, so we've got a traditional system that's not delivering um, the, the solutions on time. Is that is that kind of... and so? Are other transactions meant, are, are, do they address any of this? I mean, when, you're, when you were coming up with the statutes and, you, you know, you have intimate knowledge, do they address any of these issues? The other transaction statutes were enacted in part in response to Packard Commission recommendations to uh, in, increase the use of prototyping and the observation that all too often defense systems cost too much and take too long. And that observation and that report back in 1986 is still true. And in recent years, the Section 809 panel testimony to Congress said the acquisition system is getting worse, not better. And, and the F-35 is an example uh, of that. The outrageous cost of, of acquisition, the uh, huge cost of sustainment, um, and product being delivered that's not up to contract standards. Now, if the mission of the defense acquisition system, at least as it pertains to delivering new capability, is in, is in, is is that is to uh, furnish a end result or product, you know, why I'm trying to understand why folks are not willing to open up to new ways of doing that. Now they say they are, but I mean everybody does it within the confines of the current system. And we know that there's no support for education in doing things differently. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's critical. Uh, you know, the existing system is dominant. And uh, even if we made a, uh, a significant change and created an alternative system to deliver key capabilities uh, to support the mission and support the, the warfighter, the routine delivery of many products and services w would still remain under sort of a, uh, a standard purchasing system. It might not have to be as highly regulated as our current overly regulated uh, purchasing system under the federal acquisition regulation, but it would probably something like that would probably continue to exist. So use procurement where procurement is involved. Co correct, but you know, use a, a different system for acquiring knowledge and applying that knowledge to... Facilitating, uh, collaboration, partnering, uh, the, the things that are often needed when you're advancing the state of our new technologies and you need the help of government, academia, other interested parties. And that's where the real juice comes in, is getting all these players together. Well, first of all, <laughs> re recognizing that if you, if you want to develop new capabilities, if you want to implement things that have not been done before that meet the challenges of the present and of the, of the future, you, you're not just buying stuff. You're thinking about, you're creating, you're developing. Uh, it's, it's a different world. It's research and development. At, at the beginning and middle stages uh, of the process uh, and in the uh, upgrade stages uh, of, uh, of systems and capabilities, uh, you're doing something other than just buying goods and services. 
and the department and throughout the federal government, we've, we basically failed to recognize that. We use this highly regulated purchasing system to do things that it was never intended. It, it itself says it is not intended. FAR 35.002, the purpose of contracted research and development is to acquire knowledge and to apply that knowledge to agency and national gold. Knowledge. How do you gain knowledge? You gain knowledge through education. The Department of Defense, in specifically, but this is uh, something that goes out to all of government, Department of Defense has been told, Secretary of Defense has been told by Congress to ensure that management, technical, and contracting personnel uh, receive adequate education, including experiential learning, in using the new authorities uh, other transactions, uh, procurement for experimental purposes, prize authority, and so forth. The Secretary of Defense has been told to create a preference for using innovative contracting. The Secretary uh, of Defense and the Department of Defense generally is subject to a uh, civil military integration policy that basically would say dual use should be the default position for government R&D, and the government uh, should seek to include the broader industrial base, not merely uh, companies that are dependent on the, on the federal government. In fact, that civil military integration policy says we shouldn't be doing uh, business with companies that are uh, dependent on the federal government. Those companies should be encouraged to spread out, diversify their product lines uh, and participate in the broader industrial base. That would bring be bringing in folks that aren't working with the federal government today, having federal contractors have a closer uh, relationship with the broader national industrial base would greatly strengthen uh, the Department of Defense ability to field new capabilities in a timely manner, integrating uh, technologies that are being developed both within and outside uh, of government. So the, edu the, the policies and the mandates are there. And, you know, supplying education and training is a fairly actionable item that leadership can do. You don't have to, you don't have to do mental machinations to figure out that this is something that can be done pretty quickly. I mean, you can roll out education and training pretty quickly across the board. So wouldn't, so a lot of the ideas that we discuss, wouldn't those start to become evident and more apparent to people who are learning this type of information? They, they would then learn that these flexible contracting contract, these flexible contracts enable a lot of things. And, and it would start to, my guess is it would start to get them cogitating. It would start to get them thinking about how to approach business differently, which we have a dearth of today because we're stuck in, the, as you call it, the jail of the FAR system. You know, you, you said that somebody said, said one time to you that, you know, uh, the FAR, follow the FAR, it keeps you out of jail. And your response was, well, the FAR is jail. And hey, yeah, that's kind of what we're finding, right? It's, well, but it's a, it's a jail of, of um, it's an intellectual jail. The, the workforce and, and the bureaucracy is, is stuck in that FAR system, that, that jail. And leadership either doesn't know or has ignored the fact that there is a better way of doing things, that, that, they, that Congress has given them the tools and the mandate to create an alternative to the cost too much, takes too long, 
it system. Has, but have they given them the incentives? I keep hearing about, well, there's no incentive to change because the current system is very comfortable. People are very fat and happy the, in the, the current system. The, the current system may make people leave people fat and happy as far as their careers are concerned. It brings about a terrific threat to our country's national security when we have peer competitors that are fielding new capabilities much more quickly than we are, that there are new challenges coming up on the horizon. We need to do things better and more quickly. But I would say I would say to you, Rick, you know, that waste, all of that, those long timelines and all that waste, that's where the money's made, man. I mean, that's where people make a living off of, and that's where people get rewarded, and, and a lot of people... That's, that's the wrong reward. The, the correct reward is the fielding of new capabilities that enhance our national security, that, that allow the people on the front lines and the Department of Defense, war fighters, but the frontline people at other agencies, to do their jobs better. And this is, this is the place where the breakdown has been in leadership. Leadership, one, needs to recognize that, needs to understand that business process reform is probably the most significant change, the most significant innovation that is underpinning, underlying all the other potential innovations that allow the mission to get done in a timely and effective way manner. Well, that's and, kind of interesting and, because you, you mentioned to me over the weekend, you, you have a quote from Jack Gansler, who is was the former Undersecretary of Defense for AT&L back around in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I, I, to paraphrase, I think he said something, our defense system is going to get so extravagant or so expensive that we will only be able to afford one of anything. And that's sort of where we're heading right now. We have not, we have not diverted course from that you know, we're just getting more and more expensive, pouring more and more money into this system. Um, so, I mean, I don't, again, I don't think anything's going to change until the incentives change. Well, first, first point is the lack of leadership. And I'm talking about, you know, we, we've talked about that there's, there's uh, innovation, there's change bubbling up from below. But one, uh, that can be quashed. By the bureaucracy. Well, we've seen to, it. I mean, they they, they they leave people they, people who it's perishable. People who are educated, people who try to do things. One, they get promoted, they get moved to another job, they retire. So uh, the the system, the the cost too much, takes too long system is so pervasive that it prevails. Right. But establishing a new system that is countercultural to business as usual is very delicate and it requires care and feeding yeah we, and, so we saw and, this with our own stuff a few years ago there was a real like people were getting educated we saw some real successes and there was some information sharing and there was continued education behind other transactions and there were some real bright spots but that has not been maintained uh in the basically since COVID. and all those most of those people i don't know if all but I, from my tracking most of them have gone on and to do other things at this point so all of that all of that progress as you mentioned is perishable if we don't put a structure into place where the student becomes an expert and then becomes a teacher and then the, you know and and we continue this cycle um we're going to keep running into this where you know there's a little Bit blip forward where we make some improvement, but then there, you know, pe people don't support this, so th those people leave, and then we're back to sort of square one again, and that seems to be the cycle. Yeah, and again, we got to get get back to leadership. I mean, you know, leadership. I mean, people like Secretary Austin and the secretaries of the military departments and the very senior people in 
in OSG, you know, turn to their to the to the bureaucracy, and that's not going to fix the system. I mean, we have a fifty-year track record that shows the the system is not going to get fixed by the practitioners of business as usual, and and therefore leadership has to follow those mandates of Congress. Create a preference for using innovative contracting. Create the educational support for the war uh, for the workforce uh, to do that. Implement the civil military integration policy. That's up to leadership. Leadership, Secretary Austin, uh, you're not going to be able to do this through your normal bureaucracy. They have failed you. I mean, you're go- you're you you leaders are going to have to create call them integrated product teams, cross-cultural teams. You're going to have to create teams outside the normal bureaucracy to get serious about implementing those congressional mandates that we've just uh, mentioned. And those teams are going to have to ride herd over lower level organizations where other teams, similar teams, will be created that address these issues of education, address the issues of the perishability of experience and experiential uh, learning. There needs to be a community, some information sharing, uh, which is which is not happening. And those things can be facilitated they very can easily. Be, they can be facilitated. They need to be facilitated. And these are things that are not happening. And when they are happening, they're ten, they tend to be happening in relative isolation. And again, we have this issue of perishability. A few key key people leave government to to go to the private sector. A few key people retire or get promoted. uh, And the knowledge base deteriorates. I mean, I've only been working in this industry for five years and I've already seen this cycle one time. It's, 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 but anyway, and I wouldn't, I don't think this would be so bad if there were plans to do other things. If there were clear cut plans that, hey, Screw other transactions. Screw contra- these these innovative contracting authorities. We have a better plan. The fact is, there is no better plan. So here is something actionable that they could be doing that matches the rhetoric that they all say they want. Yet they're not doing. I mean, this is a pretty simple thing. No, to there do. there there is some doing. The the doers who think that the solution is uh, incremental improvement of the FAR system. Uh, gain an audience they have backers the the, they do. the business as usual guys the traditional guys say yay verily you know uh, we can make the uh, uh, far system sing uh, we can you know the far system can do anything other transactions i've heard about the can, far system singing a lot since i mean apparently we should have just a harmonious a, a harmonious choir at this point for how much i've heard about this i thing. mean the, these are people who just have failed to read far 35.002 you can't do everything with FAR. What you can do with the Federal Acquisition Regulation System is create a buyer-seller relationship, period. That's, mm. what it's, that's what it's there for. That's what it regulates. Research and development, touching the future, innovation is something different than that. The OT system allows you to think. It allows you to... Uh, do something new and di- to engage in research and development, to do prototyping, and it allows you to end up in a buyer-seller relationship to field new capabilities uh, at scale. So it, it it spans a spectrum that is far different 
than the spectrum of the spectrum that the research that that the far system should be used the far system is being is being applied in circumstances where it sh it, it's contrary to its own regulation so if i'm reading you right Basically, the reason why these innovative contracting or flexible contracting authorities are not receiving any support and not getting uh, through education or any other ways is because folks in these in the system don't really believe that the FAR system is broken. They still believe that it's. That's the only thing that I can think. To to the extent that they believe there's a, a deficiency in the in the FAR system, they think that it's. Uh, a minor blip. They think it's a workforce deficiency, you know, and more FAR training, uh, you know, will make things work better, that tweaking the system will make things work better. Th this is all marginal stuff. I mean, the Defense Science Board has pointed out, other uh, uh, thoughtful uh, organizations and people have pointed out, we need an alternative to, to the buyer-seller relationship under the highly regulated federal acquisition regulation. But, but I know that the only way you can ever make any meaningful change is by admitting that there's a problem, that there's that something has become unmanageable and it's beyond your control and you have to search for new ways of doing the de The denial of a problem uh, it perpetuates the mm. the idea that you know all we need to do is tweak the system all we need is is people that you know can write a better justification uh, and approval uh, the the corruption of of the system which we've we've talked about i mean the defense acquisition universities you know how how do you, how do you speed up the system well you you get your acquisition team together and the first thing you do is you look for an existing contract to which you send your money. Mm -hmm. An imperative of the federal acquisition regulation system is full and open competition. The Armed Services Procurement Act, the Civilian Agency Procurement Acts require full and open competition. And yet sending money to an existing contract doesn't sound like full and open competition. Sending money to uh, a, a limited um socially oriented uh, uh, group of potential sellers doesn't sound like full and open competition. And yet, when you do those things, they are scored as if they are full and open competition. So, so the, the metrics are rigged? The, the, the metrics are rigged, but it's worse than that. We're fooling ourselves. Right. We're, we're pretending. There seems to be a lot of fooling ourselves in the government that there that there's a lot more righteousness and goodness going on, and not and kind of ignoring a lot. There's a lot of blind spots, as far as I can see. I mean, you know, the the recent uh, uh, GAO report that that uh, compared metrics in the federal government and and the private sector, and, and pointed out in the private sector. The key metric of the contracting process is its alignment with strategic goals of the organization, whereas in in government in the in the DoD the key metric of uh, the contracting process is the process itself. Mm -hmm. Time yeah. time yeah. to contract, how many small business awards, how many minority. Uh, and awards. coming from the outside world, that's so weird because these are not like real metrics. These aren't true costs. These aren't measuring results. Well, you know what I mean? No matter how fast you get the uh, uh, procurement acquisition uh, administrative lead time to, the real issue is time to fielding capability in the field. Time, sure. 
time to uh, supporting the mission, supporting the warfighter, to aligning with strategic goals uh, of the organization. And that's missing. Well, that's what good companies would do. You know, so I mean... Anyway, I, I, you know, this is this is a message that we've made before. But uh, uh, what I what what I want to wrap up with is leadership has the key responsibility. I mean, if Secretary Austin and the secretaries of the military department aren't going to do this, then their very senior subordinates need to do it. Maybe even heads of systems commands and PEOs. At that level, you can at least get something done. You you can you can create a success story that will help fu- future leaders do what is necessary. Hopefully, any delay won't be too late mm-hmm. because the challenges aren't going away. Wow. Um, you know, people have asked me before, like, how does Rick keep doing this? You know, I mean, you know, a lot of people in the OT space come in for, you know, a few years, they get beaten up and they, and they leave, you know, they, they, they learn some good knowledge. And, and I mean, I think everybody has been amazed that you've been able to keep up this hope uh, for 30 years. How do you keep doing it, man? One, it's essential that somebody does it. Uh, this, these are uh, reforms that are needed. It's so clear that that they're needed, that uh, it, it amazes me that, that there isn't a, a, a choir uh, a, a singing the song of uh, the need for a new system, uh, an alternative system. Uh, and, you know, all, well, all I, think, I, can... I think we are literally the only voice right now screaming into the wind about OT education right now. I, I have not heard a single other person mimic is repeat that or support that message i mean other than you know that's well there, and of course there are the people that are kidding themselves that that there is such education and you know a few online courses as you talk about lunch and learn uh you know they can actually do more harm than good because pit, people think they're gaining insights when actually they're gaining a very uh, distorted and poor picture well, especially uh, if most of them are just pushing you into the arms of the consortium model and not actually enlightening you about what these the p- power and potential of these authorities are, which is, I think, 90 plus percent of the education goes out. They says, go to the consortia, just go to them. <laughs> you know? They know what they're doing and they haven't gotten any education on OTs, which I still it, So nobody's. Well, it's kind I mean, of it, it's, it's almost uh, counterproductive because they focus people on, on this very narrow use of other transactions, which is, of course, you know, somewhat better than business as usual, and and it constitutes an easy button. You know, if you go to if you send your money th- through an OT consortium, you don't have to have a full up Part 15 full and open competition. You you get money on contract earlier, but the fact that these consortia do not facilitate collaborations. The fact, I mean, even within the consortia, there are no true consortia. There are no no right, true. Right collaborative uh, efforts going on. Well, Lord uh, knows we've tried to work with them to bring education to the field, and that's ha- that hasn't gone very well either. So, <laughs> yeah, education and, and collaboration are missing. There's you know there's a few isolated uh, incidents in in recent years, but I mean the the track record back you know in the early days of of other transactions. I mean many people are you know are ignorant uh, of just how many 
actually fully functional consortium, multi-party agreements uh, uh, with different talents being brought, all being applied to the you know to the same effort, not just this multiple award task order. No, we're we're, we're losing knowledge. Losing knowledge. I mean, uh, that, and that's kind of a shame when you when you when you when you just you you already had the foundation and you lose it anyway. I'm going to wrap up with that, and uh, you know, I hope folks found something meaningful out of the discussion we've had, and I encourage all of you to stay curious, and thank you for being with us today.